Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, it is good to be back with you recording a new mini episode. Yeah, it's going to be another top five doozy of an episode. Uh, Do you want to tell the listeners what we'll be doing? Yeah, so this episode we are doing our top five mockumentaries, not to be confused with documentaries, which are actually nonfiction. These are mockumentaries, which are like, you know, films that are done in the style of a documentary, but are usually comedies, um, or at least the very least are sort of fake documentaries, either about a fake subject or presented in a a humorous or offbeat way. And uh, there's some pretty good ones out there, I think. Yeah, lots of excellent ones. I do like them. If it's a good, if it's a good mockumentary, they can be like uh, some of the funniest films out there. It's just, it's just so good. It's yes. Because I do like documentaries. There's a definite skill in making a documentary. And then to actually sit down and write a mockumentary is just mind-blowing. Yeah, I don't I don't love documentaries overall. I know that seems like a thing that a, a movie you know guy shouldn't really say. I, I do like some documentaries. I like, I like good ones. But I find that by and large, I think we talked about this. We, I think we did a yeah, top yeah, five documentary yeah. episode. They don't ever live up to the promise for me. I'll, I'll watch one that has a really great concept. And then I... I end up being bored by it or just not that interested. What I have found, though, is I really love television documentaries. Like, I, I love true crime shows. I love – I've seen a lot of uh, TV documentaries on things. I think the difference is most TV ones are like 45 minutes without commercials, yeah, which yeah. is about how long I think most documentaries need to be. Yeah. And then when you put it into a feature film and they're 90 minutes long, most times I find there's just not that much interesting story there and they stretch it out to make it longer. Whereas I'd be much happier if it was half that length. So I watch a lot of nonfiction on TV, but in the the movie format, it doesn't always do it for me. But that being said, I love a good mockumentary because I think that the 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 format is really ripe for some great satire. And usually they are just nailing whatever the subject matter is. And I find them to be very, very amusing. So I do love a good mockumentary. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are lots of fun. But uh, do you want to kick things off then, Mike? I will. My Actually, I'm going to kick it off with an honorable mention. I wanted to include this on my list, but it wasn't really a film. Um, but it's just so darn good. And it is uh, It is an internet short film called Troops. Oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's it's from... Um, it was. It made the rounds. Gosh, a long time. This was probably like late late nineties, early two thousands. But basically, it's like a, it's like a mockumentary version of cops. But the cops in question are stormtroopers on Tatooine, and so you're basically going around, and it's shot in the style of the cops TV show with like that kind of you know camera far away, but then the zooms in, and you're seeing the the stormtroopers kind of behind the scenes dealing with like the Jawas and stuff and commenting on things that happen in the movie. And uh, it's extremely funny. Um, but because it's just a couple of little short uh, vignettes, I didn't think it, you know, quite earned a place on the list. So I left it off. But I did want to mention it because it really is to me one of the finest examples of the art form of a great mockumentary. Oh, it is very good. That's 1997 that came out. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't believe that. So that was really early in the internet days, yeah, yeah. You know, but still brilliant. Still holds up. So that's my honorable mention. My number five is from 1980, and it is The Gods Must Be Crazy. Oh, wow. God. Which yeah. is a movie I loved as a kid. I admittedly have not seen it in a while, but basically it is, it's kind of framed as if 
it's going to be like a nature documentary almost about Africa and the tribesmen. So it's kind of it's in that sort of, you know, vein of being like one of those the sort of nature shows that you used to watch as a kid. But then it goes into these wild comedic things where this tribesman finds a Coke bottle and leads them on this big journey. And it's uh, it's a really funny kind of unusual film. And I've always had a soft spot in my heart, in my heart for it. Um, again, admittedly, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it is is one of the ones that I think of that I, I fondly remember. So I, I figured number five seems like a nice safe spot for that. Nice choice. Okay, my uh, my number five is a film that was out uh in 2015 on HBO, it's a, a short mockumentary, it's 45 minutes long, it's uh, Seven Days in Hell by uh, Andy Samberg, who also stars and uh, alongside Kit Harrington. and it's all about these two professional tennis players who have what becomes the longest match in history, and it runs for seven days in Wimbledon, uh, and I just think it's done so well, it's just, it goes over the top in lots of places, but just the whole thing, and it keeps having these talks with uh, Martin Sheen, who's a local TV host, uh, uh, it's got Mary Steenberg in it. It's got it's got it's got loads and loads of people, but it just keeps going on about the two of them going back, you know, over their lives as they became his best uh, tennis players. And Andy Samberg's character is this wild wild guy who's you know into sex and drugs and rock and roll. Uh, Kit Harrington has just played tennis since he was a child, and it just goes on and it keeps coming back to this match and all the things which uh, which gets in the way of it, like a thunderstorm suspends play. And then there's uh, there's one there's even one bit where they're playing along, and then suddenly it's uh, David Copperfield magically appears on the shoulder of one of them, <laughs> and David Copperfield claims that he was supposed to be on the Statue of Liberty, and that's it. Just oh, it just it just gets stranger and stranger as it goes on. But it's just when I saw it, I was just just laughing all the way through. And it was just uh, it was just great, but it's seven days in hell. Huh. I I have never seen that one. And I I have to admit I'm not even particularly familiar with it, so I'm very curious about that. Now. Oh, it's well, it's well worth tracking down. All right. Well, interestingly enough, my number four is not that one, but it does also star Andy Samberg. Ooh, okay. What are the odds? And it is from 2016. It is pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Uh, almost made my list, but yeah, an excellent film. So this is where Andy Samberg basically plays like a former boy band member who goes out on his own to go solo and things don't go so well. So he's desperately trying to maintain his fame. And so it's made kind of like a like a concert movie, you know, those ones you see with Katy Perry yeah, yeah, or yeah. the Jonas Brothers or whatever, um, except, of course, it's all fictional. And it's got all of the usual kind of Andy Samberg, Saturday Night Live players showing up in it, you know, a lot of familiar faces. Um, but it's directed by the two other guys from The Lonely Island, which is Andy Samberg's sort of, you know, comedy music group. Uh, and so there's just a lot of that whole stuff. If you like kind of The Lonely Island, the, the Saturday Night Live digital shorts that Andy Samberg did, you know, that whole type of thing, you'll probably really enjoy this movie. It's a great send up of things like, you know, the modern pop music scene, like Justin Bieber in One Direction and stuff like that. Uh, and it's just a, a funny film in its own right. And it made me laugh quite a bit. So that's my number four, pop star. Never Stop, Never Stopping. An excellent choice and some catchy songs in there as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, my number four is a film from 1983 by written and directed by Woody Allen, and it is Zelig. Woody Allen plays this uh, character, uh, Leonard Zelig, who uh, it's set around about the 1920s, and he's basically this guy who just wants to fit in so much he takes on the the personality characteristics and changes so he, he looks like the people around him. He's like a human chameleon. Uh, and it's just... it's. It's an odd one. It's strange. It's funny. Uh, and it's just, it's it's really hard to describe. It's one of those ones you do have to see. But I remember I'd, I'd, I'd turned over. It's one of those ones watching late at night, turned over partway through. Recognized Woody Allen and Mia Farrow and a few other places, faces. But I was going, what the hell is this? 
And it was, it was just going, I was going, is this a real person? But then you realize what he's doing. So I was going, okay. So it is, it's not based on anyone. And it's just, it just, it was a good story. Uh, a bizarre little twist on things and just, just showing how, you know, this, this person who just wants to fit in so much. But uh, yeah, it's a really, really good film. Uh, Zelig. Okay. I have to admit, I have never seen that film. Uh, I have I have not a huge Woody Allen fan, so I do enjoy some of his films, but I haven't seen all of his early yeah, works. Yeah, There's definitely yeah. some holes there, yeah. uh, and that's one of them. So uh, a good pick, but I, I can't really uh, speak to it. But it's worth worth checking out though if it's uh, if it's on TV. Okay, all right, I like it. All right, well, my number three is probably the least surprising entry on my list. It is from 1964, and it is A Hard Day's Night, starring, oh, of yeah, course, yeah. The Beatles. Um, and I've talked about this, this movie on the on the show before. I won't go into too much detail on it, but it's basically kind of The Beatles just being themselves, dealing with stardom, singing songs, but it is also fictional. Paul's, quote, father is, is along for the ride, and it's just an actor, of course, not really Paul's father. Um, but I love this movie, one, because because I'm a huge Beatles fan and I love the music in it. But two, I think it's just a genuinely funny comedy film. I remember watching as a kid before I even really knew their music and just laughing hysterically. And even watching as an adult, I think that the jokes really hold up. And I think it's a nice blend of getting to see the Beatles' real personalities and also getting to see their personalities turned all the way up for the camera and sort of being caricatures of themselves. It's kind of an interesting hybrid. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's a truly funny film. And if you like their music even a little bit, you will definitely love this movie. It's very, very amusing and funny and charming. And the songs are great. So that is my number three. An excellent choice. Didn't make my list, but I had a feeling it'd be on yours. Yeah, not a big surprise, like I said. <laughs> uh, my number three is a film from 1999, and it is Drop Dead Gorgeous, uh, which features Kirsten Dunst, Alan Barkin, Brittany Murphy, Alison Janney, Kirsty Alley, Amy Adams, more. Uh, but it's all about uh, a group of teenagers who are getting ready for an annual beauty pageant, and we follow Kirsten Dunst as the main one, uh, but she's just... she's She's the... She's the, the most normal out of everybody involved, I suppose you could say. But it just it just follows these uh, these teenagers and their parents and the people running the the beauty pageant, and it's just oh, it's, it's just I remember seeing it's just it's hilarious. There's just so many funny bits, uh, so many bits which are quite wrong, you know, not not PC and things, but but that work really well. It just shows the ridiculousness of these beauty pageants as well, and the the lengths that some people will go to get an advantage and things like that. But it's it's an amazing cast. Uh, some of these have obviously, I think it was like the first film for some of them, but they've all gone on to do uh, brilliant things. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones I always forget about it. Then I sit down and watch it and I just just laugh all the way through. Uh, and it's just a really good film and also a really good uh, mockumentary. Yeah, that's an excellent choice. And actually, I wish I had remembered it to put on my list and I completely forgot about it. So <laughs> yeah, it didn't yeah. make my list, but it probably would have squeezed in there. Probably It probably would have been my number five. I do really like that movie, actually. It's very funny. Yeah. Good choice. Thank you. All right. Well, my number two, um, you I, you might be surprised it's only at number two because I think a lot of people expect it to be number one for most of most of uh, people's version of this list, but it is from 1984, and it is This Is Spinal Tap, um, which I think is sort of the granddaddy of the mockumentary. It's directed by Rob Reiner. Of course, it's about the famous group Spinal Tap, which isn't a real group. It's got the whole thing about this goes to eleven and the whole thing with the drummers. And I you know I love that quote, and I like I like the movie very much. It's a it's a really fun film. I've never, I've never loved it as much as some people do. Like there are some people who are just you know rabid devotees of that film. I'm not one of them. I've seen it a couple times. I like it. I enjoy it very much. It's my number two, obviously, but it's not one of those movies that I 
I have a, a deep abiding love for. So some great moments, great scenes, great quotes. Uh, and I think number two is the perfect spot for it on my list. Uh, we'll see if maybe it pops up again on somebody else's list. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So that's my number two. This is Spinal Tap. Okay, my, uh, my number two is from 2014, and it's a New Zealand mockumentary, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, featuring a trio of vampires just going about the day-to-day lives in uh, in uh, New Zealand. And it's uh, very, very funny. Taika Waititi, who's gone on to do lots of great things, also Jermaine Clement. Three vampires living in, uh, in Wellington, uh, New Zealand, and it's just hilarious. It's just... When I first heard about this, I was going, this can't, this this is not going to be as funny as people are saying. It can't be, you know, with them watching it. And then it's got so many great things. The characters are so good, even though the vampires are just hilarious. Lots of great little moments. It just shows the banal- the banality of life, even if you're, well, especially if you're immortal. Uh, with just the, the little things you've got to do to get through your day and the little... It's that's I think good good documentaries, but also good documentaries that just focus on the, the minutiae of life and just the little bits that going on here and there. And this one does it really well. Uh, and you also got the werewolves, which were just a great little take on that as well. Okay. But it's just it just makes everything normal, and you could believe it was totally real. And that's what I really liked about it. But that's uh, that's my number two. What we do in the shadows. Very good pick. I knew that would be on your list, and I I did consider putting it on my list. I do like the film, um, but see, I think I had the opposite reaction of you when I heard the I heard about it where you said how is this going to work. I said this is a great concept for a film. In fact, I actually backed it on Kickstarter when they were originally distributing it. Um, I got the T-shirt and everything, but I don't know. The, I don't know. It's weird. I, I I can't say I don't feel like it lived up to it, the, the promise because I think it did. It's a really good film and I do enjoy it. I think it was one of those movies that made me wryly chuckle as opposed to laugh out loud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do I do enjoy it. I, I, maybe if I'd seen it with a crowd or with other people, it might have been different instead of just watching it by myself. Um, but yeah, so it just missed my list, but I, I do like it quite a bit. Yeah, okay then. So uh, that was my number two. Though. What's, with, what's your number one, Mike? All right, well, this is a, a film I've mentioned a couple of times, but probably one of the least seen films on this list by most people. But I will once again champion its virtues. It's from 2006, and it is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, I still can't track this down. I need to get a copy. Yeah, it's so good. And 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 for those who haven't heard me mention it before, it's a mockumentary basically in which all of the famous like slasher movie serial killers are real. And so this documentary film crew follows this guy, Leslie Vernon, who wears kind of this this very, you know, traditionally creepy mask. And he's planning a, a slasher slaughter murder with this house and a farm. And he's got everything rigged so that, you know, everything goes to his advantage. And he's picked out his survivor girl and, you know, all of this stuff. And then he talks to the camera about how he's going to do everything. And, and then, of course, but at the same time, maybe the camera crew is in danger because he is a psycho killer. Um, and it's just it's the perfect send up of the entire slasher genre while still being an entertaining and amusing movie in its own right. But it really gets the whole mockumentary format down perfectly. It is really shot like it's a real documentary, but it, it just really gets everything right about the slasher genre. And and it explains basically everything, like how he can, you know, how these killers can walk so slow yet always keep up with people who are running. And it just, it, it, te- it just checks the boxes, like all those inaccuracies and Ill- illogical moments from slasher films. <laughs> he kind of is like, well, here's how I do this. And here's how I do this. And this is why I do that. And he talks about like his motivations and everything. And it's, it really is brilliant. If you like slasher films at all, even if you don't, I think you'll appreciate it. But especially if you do, it's just brilliant, and it's so much fun, and it's so funny and amusing, and I, I just really love it. And I would like to see more people 
uh, having seen this film because I think it deserves a wider audience. It's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and it is definitely worth tracking down. Yeah, that's uh, that's a film I just mentioned a few times. I need to, I need to get that scene. It sounds right in my street, that one. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Okay, then my number one, It's you've already mentioned it, but it is this is Spinal Tap. As you say, it's, it's sort of the one which... I mean, there have been films before it, but uh, from 1984, directed and current by Rob Reiner. It's just it's just so good. It's one of those ones where some people, first time you saw it back in the day, could easily think it was a real it was a real band, a real documentary, because you just you'd heard stories about these big heavy metal bands all being a bit ridiculous, asking for these bizarre things and strange things happening. But it's just it's all so done, so well done, from the acting to the story to the camera work. Uh, to the little ridiculous bits and pieces, but it's just, it's so, so good. Uh, and they've, Christopher Guest and Mike McKean have done a few others as well, uh, but uh, this is Spinal Tap is is the best of them, in my opinion, also the best of, of all the mockumentaries, but it's, it's, it's also so rewatchable. Many people as well have just seen bits and pieces of it, but when you sit down and watch the whole thing as well, there's so many things when they have, you see the band back in the 60s and the pair, they get it all so, they do it all so right, just the different periods of the band and the different music they did and things like that. It's just, it's so, so good. But that's my number one. Yeah. And, and I forgot to mention, when I was talking about it, but you touched on it nicely about how you could really believe it's real. And I think of all the films we talked about, it's the most documentary-ish of them all. Yeah, like it yeah. really nails the format. It, it plays it, even though it's a funny movie, it plays it all deadly serious as if yeah. it's a real documentary. And if you didn't know better, you really would think it's just an actual documentary. Most of the other films, that at least on my list, I think, you know, it's fairly clear early on they're not really real. Yeah, yeah. But that is the one that I think is the most like its original art form. It's the most like a real documentary. And that does work to its favor because it just it's that deadpan, you know, because they play it so straight, even though everything's happening is so ridiculous that that's part of its brilliance. So. Yeah. Like you said, it's not the first one, yeah, but it is really the one that kind of set the tone and, and was like, this is how you make a real mockumentary and this is how you make one great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But that's, uh, they're our lists and I think it's a pretty good list there. Yeah, some really good movies to check out. A lot of them, again, most of them are obviously comedies because that's sort of the point of a mockumentary in general. Yeah. Some really, really fun films to check out there. Yes, good stuff. All right, well, there you go. So that is our top five mockumentaries and that is our episode. So we're going to sign off for now. But as always, we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the end. All right, so uh, top five mockumentaries. We should do like a mockumentary intro. We should be like, you know. Well, when I first met Phil, uh, he was very British, you know, and I thought, hey, that's a guy named Phil. And, uh, you know, really, what more do I need to know? And that was how we, uh, that's how we ended up, you know, hosting a podcast together. So when my agent approached me to uh, co-host this after the ending with some yank, uh, I was going, what? Because I'd used, up until that point, I'd done theater for the past uh, 30 odd years uh, and oh, I'd done a bit of TV and film, but you know, I, I wanted a new challenge and to uh, act with an American. I mean, you know how they can be, but uh, yeah, so far it's worked out. Okay. I have to dumb things down a bit though. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I see how it's going to be. <laughs> it's a mockumentary though. So it's not true. And I, was, I suddenly realized that it was a good job that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is just going to devolve until yeah, we're both yeah. like until we're just going no no you forget it forget it <laughs> I hate him I hate him yeah. never talk to me I'm again. so glad there's an ocean between us <laughs>
And I remember my last episode with Phil. You know, it uh, things have been going smoothly. We uh, we started off kind of just making some jokes about doing like a mockumentary style episode, and uh, and before you know it, it had somehow devolved into the point where we actually got into a fist fight through the internet. I didn't even know that was possible, but somehow it happened. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been seven years now, and I haven't spoken to him since. Yeah, way, it was actually way back, I think, around about episode 30, where I actually stopped doing the show, but I was just replaced by a... I just put some random phrases into a sound box and I just put it on random. Uh, and that's what it was, but Mike never seemed to notice. Uh, neither did the audience, but I think that just goes to show how my performance and my voice are just so magnetic and I'm really, you know, set the scene and you just... You just you, you listen to the words, but you don't actually get the full intent of them. Uh, and I think that's... Uh, I think that's important. Yeah, I guess it was about, uh, yeah, I guess thinking back, it was probably about episode 30, really, where I just mentally checked out, you know. Um, I mean, I was still doing the show, but um, I wasn't really paying attention. You know, I just kind of, I was on autopilot, and I, I you know, it, it just didn't, uh, you know, things had deteriorated by that point, and I just really wasn't uh, paying attention at all to what was happening anymore. So it's, uh, it's how these things go sometimes, I guess. Okay, well, to, to tell you the truth, though, <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is I'd actually spent years just coming up with this voice for an American American presenter and I finally got it right and then I decided you know this is going to work and that that's that's what it is it's actually just been me the whole time doing my voice and also doing this this voice for this American chap who I decided to call Mike Spring see this is still me it's Phil I can just switch back and forth at will uncanny isn't it you just can't tell yeah you you never know this is one person yeah but the secret's out uh, and you'll probably never listen to the show in the same way again but yeah that's uh I like to say movie magic but it's actually podcast magic this is, hey, this has been After the Ending, After the Ending. Thanks for watching. After Dark. <laughs> no, it's a different thing. <laughs>